Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. It is always great. It's always great to see you guys in the house. Um, Man, you guys had fun with Sean. A little bit of, you guys were singing. I could hear you in the green room, people. Some of you guys cannot sing. You can't, like, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, it's a joyful noise to the Lord, something like that. Yes. But uh, it's, it was great. It was so good. So grateful for the team that we have here. So good to see you in the house uh, as uh, we continue. Welcome, live stream people as well. We're glad you're with us. And man, it's always great to see that as we continue to meet in person and uh, COVID continues to go down and vaccinations continue to go up, man, we are getting out of this thing. So we're excited. Yeah, aren't we all glad for this? Yes. Looking forward. Looking forward to it. So I'm so glad you're here because I want to talk to you about the fact that you're here this morning. Uh, so did you get one of these cards, these green cards? I think uh, Pastor Kristen talked about it a little bit. All right, if you got them, you have them. Do you have them? Say yes or acknowledge. If you're on live stream, you do not have them. It's all good. Because I just want to talk to you, the, the ones who are actually sitting here. This is a green card. Now, uh, me being an immigrant, I have a relationship with a green card, Okay. <laughs> It does not look like this. It does not look like this. But a green card permits me, gives me the right to actually stay in the country. I got, I got a right to stay in the country. Well, this card is actually is going to give you the right. And it's going to give you an amazing right. It's going to give you the right to volunteer. Yes, it is. Yes. Notice, that's, I'm, I think that's, that's Dominique Johnson, who's the, M- who's the M-Kids director. Yes, she's like, got, got it. We got that. We got it. Um, what she's basically saying is, please, please volunteer in MKIDS. That's what she's really saying. But here's the deal, guys. I mean, there are churches uh, all throughout the U.S. that cannot meet. There are actually huge churches, big churches. They can't meet uh, weekly and can't open up all their ministries because of the lack of volunteers. And, um, and we've, you know, we're getting about 25% of people coming back in person, and we're getting about 15% of people actually volunteering. And so just imagine trying to run a ministry, trying to run it at Sunday mornings with, um, I mean, like you used to have 100 people or something like that, and now you have 15. I mean, like it's tough to do that uh, with those kind of volunteers. And so even our volunteers, we have hundreds of volunteers, but not everybody's uh, at a point to come back. So if you're here and if you can serve, we'd love to put you to work. We would. And uh, so what I need is I need your name and email address and uh, whatever, in, uh, uh, you know, area you want to be, want to be a part of. Obviously, we have an area called MKIDS. Um, I was just waiting for that to happen. Um, but there are other things in life too, friends. There are other things in life as well. Uh, but we can, we can surely uh, serve in any capacity. Now, if you're wondering, hey, I'm not quite sure. I'm new to church. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. It's all good. We don't even care. Can you spell Jesus? Can you spell Jesus? 
Are you a Satan worshiper? No, you're in. You're in. Uh, we're we're good. We've lowered the standards, friends. We have. We're getting everybody in. Um, if you're thinking, man, I don't like people. All good. If you don't like people, they get on your nerves. I get it. I get that. I mean, I don't really get it because I'm a people person. But we'll put you in the sound booth up there in their production. No one will ever see you. You'll come in from the back entrance. Uh, yeah, we've got a thing. We've got a position for you. If you're thinking, man, I'm not quite sure. You know, we have immigrants in the house. And so you're like, I'm illegal. No worries. I just gave you a green card. So you're good. <laughs> it does not count. You cannot go to the immigration office and tell them that. But, but we can definitely um, use you. So, hey, uh, think about it. I'd love for you to uh, just, we need you this time. We need, we, we need you. So I'm hoping that you guys will, uh, you know, um, would sign up for this. All right, cool. We are starting a brand new series, which I'm really pumped about. And our team has been really excited about because uh, even uh, our creative team and Vinny and some other people have helped design uh, this big idea of what does it look like for us to reimagine God? You see, we live in a climate right now, we live in a world where people are deconstructing what they think about God. In fact, statistics show that uh, 30% of people have walked away from the church, like they are not coming back uh, since this pandemic, not, not because of COVID, but because of all the raci racial conversations or lack thereof in, uh, in spiritual environments. Like people are going, why are you not talking about this? Or you're talking too much about this. The idea that uh, Jesus and the church has become so politicized and and politicians always, have always continued to use the church or anything, uh, any spiritual um, religion for their benefit. I mean, it's just not a Western thing. I mean, I grew up in the Middle East. Uh, they did it all the time. I mean, they you use Islam and Allah to get votes and things like that. So all that to say, I think we're all like feeling the weight of, hey, do I even really believe what I believe anymore? And there are some of you, some of you know people who have walked away, you in your, in your family. They've walked away thinking, you know what, I saw the church, quote unquote, the church do something during this time, and I thought, is this the church? Is this supposed, to, is this really Christianity? Is this supposed to be Jesus? Is, does Jesus look like, do Jesus people do this, allow this, say this? We've all thought that. I mean, just look at social media, look at our, our, our just our conversations. There's a very distinct thing happening in, in the world globally that people are stopping and going, you know what, I, you know, I used to go along with the whole church thing, I used to go along with the whole Jesus thing, I used to get, but I don't, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't believe that anymore, I'm not quite sure that's true. And so I'm really pumped about this conversation because if you're in one of those camps, if you're thinking, I've, I've, I'm just tuning in and you're like, I don't even want to come to church because I can't, I can't stand what, what's going on, but I, I'll listen, I'm glad you're listening. I mean, I know there are people who don't believe in Jesus who listen to us, and, and I'm grateful for that. But if you're one of those people who go, you know, I'm not quite sure that if I have as much faith as I used to have back in the day, well, this is great because the next series of conversations we're going to have is going to, uh, going to be a deeper, uh, deep dive into what does it look like to have a relationship with a God who sent uh, himself uh, to speak with us and connect with us, and what have we added on to that? Like, what has your denomination, uh, I would say my denomination, but I didn't have one, uh, but your denomination put on there? What, ha what are you deconstructing? What do you need to get rid of? What do you need to go, I'm not quite sure. Because at Mosaic, we exist to reclaim the message and movement of Jesus, and that's because it's been taken over. Like, all these things have been added to it, and I feel like we need to continue to reimagine, to re reclaim uh, faith um, for people. 
And so I'm pumped about this conversation. Every week, I'm going to talk about a concept that we've always believed this to, to be true. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying there's something deeper going on. I, w- I want us to like not just say what you say, but no, no, sit in it. You know, like I so often, I think people go, you know, like, uh, for example, this, uh, this verse about um, uh, using the Lord's name in vain, right? When I say that to those of you who grew up in the church, what does that mean? When I say don't do that, you think don't what? Don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't, don't say G, GD. You don't say that. I'm not even saying that. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't put his name with something else. Don't, don't do that. Well, I think it's, but, but then it's, it's, it's deeper than that. You see, I think what God says is don't claim my name if you don't bear my name. Like, don't say you are a Jesus follower. Don't say you love me and then hate your brother. When you do that, you're using my name in vain. Because he's not giving us just his name. He's giving us our identity. And he says, if you're going to claim me, you better act like me. Or just don't even say that you know me. Because people will look at you and they will know, oh, man, they've been with Jesus. Oh, they're different. Because there's not something different about us, then we're not making a difference. We're just playing games. We're just having church. So this is a deeper conversation. Uh, Are you with me? Let's do this, right? Let's have this conversation. So this morning, the first is this idea of Jesus being our Savior, this idea of salvation or Savior theology. And what does it look like? Could there be a deeper meaning to it? Um, so I was uh, talking to my uh, 14-year-old daughter, Nura, who is a joy, such a joy, uh, and I'm continually learning. At, and I love, I love I, I've said it before, I, I, I know I've said this, that God loves, uh, God loves to see us grow. Like, he just loves it, and he loves to see us spiritually grow, and that's why you never need to be ashamed of where you are right now, because God knows you're growing, and he's okay with that. He doesn't want you to, like, overnight it. Uh, uh, but uh, I love watching my kids grow. Like, they grow, and they're like, oh, you used to be into this, and now you're, like, totally not into this, you know? And ideas and all that. So I was talking to her about anime. And if you are familiar with anime, if you're not, you know, hey, you haven't missed a lot. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, you have. I think, I think we all kind of... Anybody remember Dragon Balls? Balls? Okay, 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 you do. You do. See, I didn't grow up with that. I, I did not. She's watching Attack on Titan, okay? Now, um, if you don't know it, I don't even recommend it. I'm just... It, 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 I grew up with anime, like Japanese uh, cartoons, uh, you know, just a, uh, it's an elementary description of that. But I grew up, and they were in actually in Arabic. So look at that mind job right there. It's like Japanese, Arabic people, you know. Anyways, so she was talking about the difference between uh, other animes and um, Attack on Titan. And she was talking about how the role of a female in Attack on Titan, uh, that women actually play a lead role and uh, a role of a hero. And she loves that. But most anime, and she loves a lot of anime, uh, they don't do that. They're all, there's gender roles. There's, there's like, uh, there is, you're not the hero. Um, the women don't play heroes. They're a certain person, and it's a male figure who plays the hero. And uh, she loves Attack on Titans because it kind of uh, allows um, uh, this gender to kind of go away. And then heroes and villains come out for who they are. She loves that. Now, if you're not into that, 
Uh, the sermon is not about that, okay? And those of you who are like, okay, can we get to Scripture? We're going to get to Scripture. Calm down, okay? Um, but the idea of heroes and villains is something that we can all relate to. I think in every story, we want a good villain or a good hero, right? All stories kind of work with that. And I understand that. We understand that. That for in, in, especially for entertainment, we love a very clear hero and a very clear um, villain. And sometimes uh, there can be, uh, it can be a little messy, but we love this idea. We actually believe that there are, um, there are people in life, there are kind of uh, winners, right? And then there are what? Losers, right? I mean, they're, they're, we, we love playing games and entertaining ourselves based on that because it's competition. You got to have a winner and you got to have a loser. Not everybody wins. No one cares. No, no, no. No, you want a winner and a loser. You want a hero and a villain. And we do that. And then it creeps into our spiritualities because then that translates to we have, we have saints and then we have sinners. So when you take that idea and you put it in your spirituality, what you think is, what we apply is that God actually believes that there are saints and sinners, winners and losers, heroes and villains. And then we put ourselves in that category. I wonder if you were to ask God, hey, are there, uh, are there, your, are there kids that you've created that are actually just losers? Like, would a dad say that? Would a real dad say that? So if he wouldn't say that, why do we believe that? Why do we believe that there is a distinct distinction between sinners and saints, and there's a big, a big idea about, like, someone's got to win, or there's a hero, or there's got to be a villain? Well, why do, we, why do we love the idea of that? Well, I think it's creeped up so much in who we are, and part of it is that we've taken the scriptures and we've read them with that in mind, and so there are winners and losers in the scriptures, right? I mean, there are villains and there are heroes in the scriptures. We use things like heroes of the faith, words like that. We know that in the scriptures also there are saints and sinners because we have come up with this category to interpret the scriptures. And so when we start doing that, it's, we have a, we have, we, we, we honestly start creating God in our own image. We don't think we're doing that, but we are, because that's how we categorize people. So why, do, why, do, why would we think God wouldn't? And I think that when you and I begin to do that, our theology, this idea of God, shifts and changes, and then we justify treating certain people a certain way. Why? Because obviously they're the villains. Obviously they're the sinners. Obviously they're the losers. And so you end up, and we end up doing whatever we want to with them, saying whatever we want to with them. And then the people we become is dangerous. And it's dangerous because uh, it's, 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 it's hurtful to the kingdom of heaven, but it's also it's so discouraging to people who are trying to connect to a God, but continually told that they are the villain, the loser, and the sinner. And so it just messes with them. And that's why so many people, have you wondered why the majority of humanity does not pursue God? Especially the God that Jesus talked about. Why is it? 
I think it's because we don't talk about the good news as the good news. The good news is not there are losers and winners, and you can be a winner. But that is the message, isn't it, that's been told. Sign this, say this, you want to be a winner? And it just changes people. And their souls don't develop the way they're supposed to develop. Now, I can go on and on about this, but let me illustrate this, okay? I'm going to illustrate this with a, one of my favorite passages in scriptures. I love this thing, okay? I love it so, 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 so much. So if you've got something to turn to, it's Psalms 18. So Psalms 18, and I want to read you a, part, a certain part of it. I'm going to read you uh, verses 6, um, starting in 6, and um, it is pretty dramatic. I mean, it is Again, you have to read this with a little bit of flair. You really do. In fact, I was reading this uh, this week, and I thought, man, you know what this passage really needs? It needs some dramatic music to it. That's what it needs. So, I don't know. Uh, Stephen, can you hook me up with some dramatic music? I'm going to read this. What's the music? Oh, this is good. Let's read this. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundation of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark clouds, dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coal. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Lord Most High surrounded amidst the hail and the burning coals. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning flashed. They were confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen. The foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He reached, he rescued me from my powerful enemies. From those who hated me were too strong for me. They attacked at a moment when I was in my distress. The Lord supported me. He led me in a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. Woo! Love it, right? Some of you guys were like, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. No, it was not. I mean, it could be, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's music. Now, isn't that beautiful when you read the scriptures like that? I read that the first time, not, not with the soundtrack of Transformers. No, not really, but 
but uh, for those of you who are wondering, um, but uh, I loved it because I resonated with that. Now, let me just tell you, this is a writing of a guy who is extremely, uh, this is his journal entry. So he writes this thought, but he doesn't stop there. Let me read without music. Let me read the rest of it. It goes on. Right after that, he says this. He says, when he says, he rescued me because he delights in me, then he says, I'll tell you why. He says, I'm blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for my doing right. He has seen my innocence. He goes on, he says, I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered and struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. Verse 40, it says, you placed, you placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They called for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to anger. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. Okay. (laughs) What happened? What happened to 70 times 7? What happened to love your neighbor? What happened to forgiveness? What happened to turn the cheek? What happened to all that? Well, this is obviously New Testament. This is obviously an eye for an eye. What's my point here? Well, my point here is this, is that I think I, we love the idea of God coming and being the hero of our lives. We love writing songs about that because, again, we love categories. And we love that God is coming to save. And so when we think of Jesus, we think of him as Lord and what? Savior. And we've always heard he is Lord and Savior. And I wonder if it's deeper than that. I wonder if he's Lord and actually liberator. Because Savior always implies that he has to be the hero. He's got to come in and what? Save the day. What does it say to us and what is it doing here as the writer is talking about how God for him does all these dramatic things. But when it comes to other people that he's created, I get to put my foot on their neck and crush them. What is he talking about? What is he doing here? Who is this guy actually becoming? See, we've never even stopped and looked at the scriptures and realized that God is not saying everything that's in the Bible, do it. He's not saying that everything these people feel, feel that. No, he's saying this is how you feel and this is how you not to feel. So this is not accurate. You're not supposed to do that. But he's praying that. So what kind of person is praying things like this? He's praying things like who believes that God is able to save. And yes, he is. But then there's a shift to it. There is God, yes, he wants to come for you. He wants to save you. But yes, but no, no, no. But then you don't have these people that you're going to treat horribly and kill them. Friends, I got to tell you something. That's why Christianity has justified killing innocent people throughout history. Because of things like this. And taking sides in whatever country that they think is God's country. And justifying killing other people. And if you think I'm talking about Israel and Palestine, hello, yes, I am. I'm talking about the fact that at some point we got to stop and go, ho, 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 God is bigger than this. If he's going to come down like this for you, he's going to come down for everyone. It's not just for your, for you. It's not just for, because he's your savior. And let me just ask us, uh, uh, me this. 
if we're the ones continually needing to be saved? What does it say about us? That we're always the victim. victim. We're always the one who needs rescuing. We have this codependent relationship with God. We get in trouble and he calls and he comes. Is our salvation, is our relationship with God, is your Christianity based on just God being Lord and Savior, or is it more than that? Is he just going to be the person who brings you to safety? Is he supposed to be the person who always keeps you safe? Is he supposed to be the person who always saves you? And if you're this kind of person who always needs saving, what does it say about you? And what kind of relationship will you have with an individual, with a person, with a kid, with a parent that always needs saving? Your whole life is about saving. And so when it comes to Christianity, it's saving it from our sin. And so now the focus is our sin. And so that's why... I think we need to reimagine God, that God is calling us to do something bigger than that, not just this idea of like, hey, he wants to save us from sin, because I'll tell you what, if you have your own way, you're just going to step into it. You're going to step into it. God's going to be the, the mom or the person that stops as the car you know, in, in traffic. They're going to guard you. They're going to stop you. God, that's all God's job is. He's going to come down and save you because you always want to get into trouble. What kind of of relationship is that. Now, I know last week we talked about it, or last time I talked about this idea of growing up, but that is not a grown-up mature conversation or relationship that one person always has to save the other person because the other person always gets into trouble. And so if the church is going to be this person that always gets into trouble and it needs a personal, not just a Savior, now it needs a personal Lord and a personal Savior. we got a Savior to go, keep it in the pocket. Because we got to use them every time. we got to do that. It's, it's, it's off a little bit. Could there be something deeper than that? Yes, it is. It so is. Do you know the phrase, personal Lord and Savior, was something that was invented not during the early church at all. Generations later. Generations later. To, to help people understand that God was personal. But he was never supposed to be a personal Lord and Savior. He was, he was not just, it's you, and he'll come down for you, and he'll come down to attack other people who are against you. That was not the frame of mind. In fact, N.T. Wright, brilliant scholar, look him up. Um, he writes several books on this, and he talks about this idea of, hey, hey, it's deeper than that. See, when Jesus came and to save us, and the word save us, we think save us from hell and save us from sin. Those are two categories. No, he, he says he saved us from this, I, this, this kingdom, this, um, this um, treadmill that we are on where in which humanity continues and continues to try to get to God. He's saving you from like, hey, don't get on the treadmill. Don't believe that you have to do certain things to get to heaven. He's saving us from that, not sin, because then if it's sin, then what's sin? In fact, in the Jewish language, there are different uh, words for sin. Hatat is one of the first words, and that doesn't even mean morality. It just means this idea of straying away. That when God came and when Jesus was sent to us, um, because it was Christ, it was God, he came to not just 
save you from not lying anymore. Because guess what, baby girl, as my daughter would say, you still lie. You still have envious thoughts. So what has God really saved you from? Have you ever thought, hey, man, I've said the prayer, I've done this thing, I am no different. How many of you admit that? Why am I keep having these horrible thoughts? And then he says, oh, I saved you. I saved you. I saved you. Because it's deeper. Because what God did is he has reconciled himself to us and restored us. It's more than saving us from our individual sin. He's saving us not in the sense of a hero. He's saving us as a sense of he is coming to set us free. So if you look at the scriptures once again, um, reimagine with me, what if God was not just Lord and Savior, he was Lord and liberator. And if you think, I'm just making this up, this is all over the teachings of the early church. Paul was trying to convince his disciples, the, the, the actual disciples, the church, everywhere he went about this idea. In First uh, uh, Colossians, let me read this to you. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, let's go into that. Let me read this to you. He says this. This is the paraphrased uh, translation, which actually brings a lot of light to this. He says, he says, he, this is Christ, he is the divine portrait, the true likenesses, likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the heavens, uh, the universe of things, both in heavenly realms and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm or government, principality and authority. It all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now, finds, now everything finds completion in him. You see, what, what, you know what it's saying here? Fundamentally, it, to me, it's saying you were created spiritual. And now we have to learn to become human. We think we are created human and we have to learn to become spiritual. When you read the scriptures, it says, hold on, there's a God DNA in each one of you. And not just us who believe, no, in all of creation. Everything, the creative, the life force of everything that has any kind of existence has Christ in it. It is because of Christ. This Christ is this life force that came into a human body and then lived among us. It's deeper than Jesus being a personal Lord and Savior. No, when he came, he did this, what N.T. Wright again, the scholar called a, a cosmic um, restorative uh, thing. He, he created, he restored something that we have, don't even understand right now. It's bigger than us stopping sinning. No, it's about us being liberated from the idea and the, uh, the, the treadmill of sin, always trying to figure out what category am I in? Am I in uh, uh, the villain category today? Am I the hero? Am I the winner? Am I the loser? Am I the sinner? Am I the saint? It's freeing us from those categories. He goes on, he says this, even though, even though you were once distant from him, living in shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected 
you back to him. He released, say that again with me, he what? Released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God. For he sees you as holy, flawless, and what? Restored. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. You see, if you've ever thought of this idea that you are born into sin, that's the concept original sin comes from. Original sin. And you probably maybe have heard this before. But you, you know there's another concept too. As we see in the scripture, there's inherent goodness in you. There's inherent goodness in all of us. We inherit this from our Father who created us. So when he thinks of you, even though you were born into and you were stepped into and were birthed into a broken uh, system of sin, which is something that has strayed away from the original plan, he still created you with an inherent goodness. And because of that, you have intrinsic value, not because of what you had done, not because of what you will do or what any... uh, any creation would do. It's because you have, um, you have intrinsic worth to him. He created you. What does a relationship with God look like in light of all these things? In light of moving away a little bit from this personal Lord and Savior idea, moving away from just being always the one being saved, what does it look like for us to step into the idea of, hey, um, maybe God is calling me to, um, to, to something bigger. I think he is. Paul, again, let me just continue. He says this. In verse 26, I'll pick it up here. He says, say, uh, he says Christ is our message. Now, again, he's not talking about the, the gospel. He's, taking, he's saying, hey, this, I, what, what God has done and how he's created you is the message. It's, it's the message. He said, we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the what? Into the what? What's that word? Into the what? The full understanding of truth. See, part of it is that, is that we only have part of the truth. We go, Naeem, are you saying that we don't need to be saved? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's just not full. The full understanding of this truth. He says here, he goes on, he says, it has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with this tireless intensity and with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ, in Jesus Christ. There is a divine mystery. He says a a, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's been revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. What, What is it? What is it? It's this. Living within you. Living within you. Living within you. Living within you. Is the Christ. Is the Christ. Yeah, yeah, I haven't believed. I don't even care if you believe or not. It doesn't even matter. God's not like, you know what? It only activates if you believe. Really? Could you imagine if if you believe, I'll give birth to you. I'll create you if you believe. No, no, no. No, no. 
This is the mystery. This is the, this is the, it's, it's mystery because we don't know. We don't know fully. This, this is the mystery. What, what is it? Well, living within you is the Christ who, who, who what? Who floods you with an expectation of glory. Translation, there's a mystery inside of you that says, you're bigger. You're bigger than this. You're more than this. You're more than the, the, the good and bad. You, there's more to Satan sinner. There's more to winner and loser. There's more to hero and villain. There's more. Then he goes on, he says, this mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes, becomes this, a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. You see, I've got to tell you, when you read the scriptures and when it says his people, he means all people. You're like, no, no, he means, no, 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 no. He means all people. He means all people. Because the good news is good news because it's for all people. It wouldn't be good news if it's like, hey, no, then it would be good news and bad news. It's, it's good news for all people. What is he saying here? He's saying, friends, this life that God's calling you to is this. If you want to simply understand this, there is a God creator out there. He insists to be called Father. The reason is because in every language, Father means something. It, it, there's an emotional reaction to it, but it's conveying this idea of caring, this idea of being a person who is more than an artist. It has a personal uh, connection, an emotional connection with the, all of creation. There is this entity. He called him Yahweh. I am who I am. We cannot even understand him. He's beyond gender. He's beyond all those things. There's a God. Then he sent himself he sent, which is the Christ. He sent a part of himself. He calls it the Christ, the Christ, the Christ, the divine force in some translations. He sent this force and he sent it to humanity. So what did he do? He picked a human to dwell in it. So Jesus is not the, the be all end all. No, it's the Christ Jesus, right? Because there's a lot of Jesus. I met one the other day in Mexico. I mean, no, no, that's not Jesus, right? It's the Christ. It's the Christ. So then, you, then God sent the Christ to reveal to us what he was doing. He was doing something that we, can, we cannot even understand. It's a mystery. But one thing we do know, he has reconciled and reconnected, and he's restored huma- he, not just humanity, but the universe. He's doing these two things, and he's inviting us into it. And what he's doing is he's removing this idea of religion that you have to be in one of those categories, sinner or saint, you're removing those categories. So now you're removed from sin and now you can live a free, full life as one who has been liberated to live the life God created you to live. You see, salvation in itself, salvation in itself is the word that people use in the New Testament to describe not morality, not religion. Salvation was actually in context used to describe Israel coming out of exile from its, uh, from its enemies. B- basically, salvation equaled freedom, liberation. We think salvation means heaven, no, no, no. Salvation actually means liberation to actually live the life you're called to live because you're no longer in a category. You moved out of that. See, see, friends, let me just point it this way, okay? So we, we, we baptize people, right? You know, about the, you know, we baptize people. You've seen about this. Maybe you've been baptized, right? 
And the, oh, the whole idea of being baptized is like we, we, see, we submerge you into water, right? And we say, you know what? We, we, and you come out into a new life, right? We submerge you into water. We come a uh, new life. Now, if the focus was only to save you from sin, I would baptize you, but I would do it a little different. I would submerge you, and I would just leave you there. <laughs> because I can guarantee you're not going to sin anymore. That's a drowning. <laughs> the difference between a drowning and a baptism is what? They come up. You're like, I never thought of that. <laughs> Our theology is drowning so many people in their sin. Because everything they're about, everything they've been told is that you are the collection of sin. You were born a sinner. You're always in sin. If God's not looking, you will sin. Your problem, you're just, and you, here's what you need. Because you always sin all the time, you need a personal Savior. What? That's why baptism is so important. You are now liberated. What has drowned, Paul says, is sin. No, you're going to still lie about things. You're going to still have terrible thoughts. What's drowned is these categories, and now you're liberated to live a life without categories, a life without borders. Salvation means liberation. Imagine what would life look like if you were like, hold on, you're saying I can do whatever? Like I'm liberated? I'm free? Yes. Yes, because, because think about it. If you went to, I'm, I'm going to end with this, okay? If you went to a household and you sat around, you went into uh, maybe a dinner time and you just observed people because you do, we all do, right? Like, what's, what's going on here? Who, who's the most important person? Who's a pain in the butt? Who, you know, who does what? And you, you saw this father figure and everybody was just so paranoid to make sure that they don't mess up because of him. And everything they wanted to uh, ask him, hey, uh, should I do this? Should, every decision they brought to the, to the father. It's like, hey, should I wear this? Should I date this person? Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? And you just sit around and go, oh, wow. So everything goes through him. What would you say about that father? And what would you say about the son or daughter? It's a, it's a toxic relationship. Are we doing that? I think we are. And God's like, what are you doing? Wear whatever you want to wear. Listen, I gave you my spirit. Why do you keep asking me stuff? What do you think I did? Why do you keep asking for forgiveness again and again and again? You know you screwed up. You know you shouldn't have done that. We all know. Everybody knows. We have moved on. I don't know what more do I need to do. Friends, God has liberated us to live the life God has called us to live. And here's the problem. We would rather, we would rather manage our sin than live totally free. Because f living in freedom requires a whole level of responsibility. Living in freedom comes with a burden of liberating other people living free means i can 
courageously do whatever God has called me to do. But, and being free requires now you and are connected to everyone who is not free. Being liberated means now you get to impact the masses. And then your life is not about you. But as long as you are focused on your sin, then it's about you. And you're focused on all of your issues. It's always about you. If you're never been set free, then it's always about you. And hey, I get it. You can only think about yourself. But the church has been set free. We have been set free. So reimagine. What does it look like for you to live a life that is really set free? And even if you don't believe all of this, just think with me for a minute. What would your life, what would parenting look like if you were like, so I'm liberated. I no longer, you give me your spirit. What would that relationship with God look like if you removed all those different categories? If you knew you were called to be a liberator now because you have been liberated. I'd love for us to have a deeper relationship at the end of these conversations we're going to have. This is just week one. And my goal really is, is that you and I, and I know this is not really a goal because you can't measure it. Maybe it's just a hope and prayer that you and I will begin to see and love God the way God sees and loves you. At the end of these conversations, if you can just do that, because we can't allow people to, we can't, we, we have to do better. We have to do better. Um, I don't want to lose a generation that walks away from a life of God because of the nonsense I have preached. Um, that's, that's my hope. Now, we've given you if, you, if you sat down and physically here, uh, you probably saw one of these notebooks. And this is just for us to say, hey, beginning week, maybe take one of these. This is for you, a gift for you. Um, and then start writing week one. What, did you, what do you think of when you think of, okay, me as a liberator, what does that look like? Maybe use this in your times with God or in just times alone. Or maybe get a notebook if you don't like this one. But... Let's move through this together. Let me pray for us. Let's stand. Can we do that? Lord God, we, um, we come before you. We thank you so much for who you are. We know, God, that you are the God who, who is beyond us, who we don't truly understand and know, but we're moving in your direction. God, we're, we're moving in the direction of, of wanting something deeper in our lives. God, I pray that, Father, that you would release us to really be free from guilt or shame, fear or anxiety of reimagining what does it look like to have a true relationship with you that's not codependent, that's not toxic, that doesn't put us in categories. What does it look like for you, God? Could we have a deeper relationship with you that's more than just Lord and Savior. It's more than that. It's Lord and liberator. God, what does it look like for you and I to be in a relationship where you don't need to continually save me? 
you've liberated me and now you're helping me liberate people around me. You're, you're liberating parts of my life. You're liberating parts of, of my psyche. You're liberating parts of my vision and my dreams and my hopes. You're setting me free again and again. There are layers and layers of freedom that I've been set free from, God. What does it look like for me, God, to move past this anxiety and that fear? What does, it move, move, allow, what does it look like for me to move past, God, this stressful point or this, this, this sense of hardship or, or, or defeat or cynicism? What does, it move, what does it look like for me to move past that? God, would you do something in all of us, God? God, we're here for you. I know you've come to restore, to reconcile us to give us this new life in you. God, what does it look like? I pray that for my friends, that even today that some of them would say, Jesus, I, I want to know. God, I want to know who, who Jesus is. God, I want to know who this Christ is. I want to know what this life with him looks like. And God, I know that a prayer like that you respond to so well. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.